This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our second reading is from Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness, the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah, the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. Amen. I'm going to preach on one sentence. One sentence. Let's try a little word association game to get started. Now, you know how that works? I say something and you, you think about what is the first thing that came to your mind. Um, here's the word. Offering. Okay. This is what came to my mind this week. One sentence. Uh, first image was my internship. Uh, one of my supervisors, John Kelly, pointedly, adamantly said that you cannot worship without an offering. You can't. And every time we get to Good Friday and we don't take an offering, I can still hear him saying, you can't, you can't. The point was well made. You can't have worship without an offering because worship is an offering. 
Next thing came to my mind were ushers for some, some strange reason. I had a little conversation yesterday about how ushers are changing, what that role is in the life of the church. It used to be about order. A couple of guys standing at the door, they'd show you where your seat was, uh, kind of a bouncer kind of thing. Uh, my, intern, my, my LIC congregation, Shiloh Baptist, African-American, all the ushers wore white gloves and were like traffic directors, literally. Um, and it used to be all men. Uh, thank you, ladies, stepping up. We need a little more of that because the, the role of uh, ushering is no longer about keeping order. It is about hospitality. It is about welcoming. And then, of course, I, 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 I thought about writing a check. Uh, that's kind of old school I'm learning. Uh, we write a check, Ann and I. We, we, also, uh, we also give digitally. Uh, we do both. Um, technically, we give a tithe and an offering, uh, which is good for us. And that led me to think offerings. Wow, offerings are what make things happen in a church. Uh, all the great things that happen in and through Lord of Life Church are really about the generosity that happens at Lord of Life through the offering. And then... I thought of Reformation Lutheran Church, corner of uh, Hamilton and Livingston Road, 1962. Back in that day, the ushers would bring up the offering, and they would give it to the acolyte. The acolyte was like a little mini pastor, dressed exactly like like the pastor was. And uh, then the acolyte would take the offering plate, and they would hand it to the pastor. And he, and it was always a he, he then would put it on the altar. And back in that day in 1962, I was the acolyte, and I wasn't paying particular good attention. It's when I discovered that I'm going to be a lineman rather than a receiver. (laughs) I dropped all four offering plates. Right on the linoleum floor, coins going everywhere. And then I was watching Eclipse. Was this a word association, remember? Down in Russellsville, Kentucky. And I was thinking of Kunta Kinte. Uh, in that miniseries, Roots, where he held his son up to the moon and to the stars and offered his son to God. Which is not unlike what Matt and Emmy are about to do with, with James. Um, been word association for me all week long. I can't get past that word, offer, offering. And I've concluded that there's, there's something universal or human about wanting to make an offering. It really doesn't matter what culture you're in. If you're a, if you're a Buddhist monk in Thailand, you, you get up every morning and you walk through the crowds with a basket and you receive fruit and rice for the day and coins to, to keep the monastery going. Eskimos, um, take the neck bone of the whale and offer it as a gift to the God who made the whale and made the whales. Uh, Native Americans, red berries. Red berries are the key to, to an offering in dance and celebration to the mothering God. We had a house guest one time, Dr. Ephraim Cato from Tanzania, and he told us that in his parish it was so different how they took an offering because most people don't have any money. So people would bring things that they raised at home, uh, sometimes live things, but produce. And, and it, he said that after the worship, then all the things would be carried out to the front porch, and then they would auction everything off for the rest of town. It was like open market the moment church was open. And what I found so fascinating, he said, you know, here in your world, an egg is an egg is an egg. But in Mwanza... Uh, People know who gave the egg, and they bid according to not the value of the egg, but the value of the sacrifice that someone made when when they gave it. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that at the heart of the human condition is this offering thing. And that led me to the association now. Well, that's great for us. We want to do that. But what what does God actually want? What, What offering would God want? 
would desire. And that's where the sentence comes in. It's in the 12th chapter of the letter to the Romans. Paul writes, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because that will be your true worship. If you still got that bulletin note, why don't you turn that over? I did everything. I, I bolded that one sentence because that's all the farther I was going today. Um, and it's, I'm going to walk that sentence with you. That's, that's what we're doing. This is kind of a teach yourself kind of sermon. First word, big word, therefore. It's a transitional word. How much transition? It's a 12th chapter. Everything before it, Paul's leaving. First 11 chapters, Paul said, here's what God has done. God created, God redeemed, God sanctified the world all through Jesus. God made the church, God made you, God made everybody. God has done all these great things. 12th chapter, therefore, therefore, let me say it a a different kind of way. Um, Up until now, Paul has said something like this. Based on all of the ideas that I've shared, all of the theology, all the doctrine, everything I've laid out for you thus far in 11 chapters, or in 30 years, therefore, now, and then the next three words, I urge you. Put on your best parenting voice, I urge you. I exhort you, I plead with you, I beg you, I'm trying to persuade you, would you please listen to me, I urge you. The next phrase, hope you see it, in view, in, in light of God's mercy. Not God's judgment, not God's anger, not God's wrath. I'm begging you, look at the way God has blessed you. Look at all that God has done for you. Look at Jesus, look at the beauty, the bounty of your life. Look at the fact that you are alive this moment, that you can feel your breath. Look at the clothes on your back and the food in your stomach and the hope that you have amidst all that's going on. And I beg you, I plead with you, please, knowing that God has been that generous to you, I beg you to offer. More word association. I thought of the Magi, the, the three kings, probably the most famous offering in Scripture, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you know how it's always depicted. They don't like drive by and just drop it off. (laughs) They don't just mail it in. But they get down on their knee and they offer it to a baby king. The Bible says, I beg you, I plead you, I implore you, please, based on the abundant mercies of God, I beg you to, to offer your bodies. Wow. Now, Lutherans are particularly guilty of disembodying God and our relationship with God. We make faith be this thing in our head or this thing in the heart because bodies make us uncomfortable. And much of our problems in the church are because we just don't want to appreciate our bodies. But I don't know that that's really the message that that Paul's at right there. I think he's saying something closer to God wants you. He wants everything, everything about you. And I know that I preach 10, 10, 80. We practice that at Lord of Life Church. I'm getting a little... Laughter these days, somebody said, I sure hope our next pastor preaches 5590. <laughs> hmm. God wants the totality 
of your person. Everything, everything you have, we are to present ourselves to God. And I thought Moses said the same thing. Judaism remembers it every day in the shame of love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbors as yourself. Paul says that I am to love God with my whole self, with everything that I am. I thought briefly about doing this, except I would just get too chaotic. I thought about having uh, four ushers stand here with one of those big baskets, and we'd look for volunteers to stand in it. Whole self in that offering plate. I plead with you. I'm begging you, please. Knowing that God has been so generous to you in your life and in this world that you would offer your whole self as, next words, a living sacrifice. What did you say, Willis? What's that? Sacrifice? Normally, I, I, I don't have a good feeling about sacrifice, especially the sacrifice E. They're usually dead. And that's, that's what... You think about word association, Old Testament, pigeons, lambs, bulls, goats, you kill it and offer it as a sacrifice. The very nature of a sacrifice is to kill something living and somehow please God by that. But here, Paul, in the New Testament, you get a totally different feeling. Paul's talking about something that's breathing and something that's walking and something that's so full of life and so full of joy that it doesn't die. And it's not necessary to appease God by killing anyone or anything, much less yourself, I am to present myself to God as a living sacrifice. Let me come at this slightly different way. Uh, those of you who are partnered, when you break this down, I know on a day-to-day basis you don't, you don't always remember these things. We don't either. What's the, the thing that your partner really wants from you? It, it's not a house. It's not a new car. It's not a diamond ring. What's the finest gift your partner wants for you? And the answer is really simple. Every partner knows it. He wants you. She wants your heart. He wants who you are. That's the nature of love, to give yourself, your whole self, alive and living to another human being, to spend your life with that person. And then comes the word holy and pleasing to God, to give yourself completely, totally, wholly, fully, to do it with a pure heart, saying, I don't need anything in return. I know what you've already given me. I just wholly want to do that. And Paul calls that your true and your proper worship. So true worship isn't going to church every week, though it's part of it. Um, I have a a challenge in all of you is say if, if you could really work to not call what we do here the service, this is the worship, the service is out there. This isn't service, this is worship where we offer ourselves. And true, proper worship isn't Bible study or even praying, though I think that's part of it. And it's not giving a few dollars or even a lot of dollars, though it's part of it. What God wants and what true worship is is for me to offer all of myself all of the time as a living sacrifice. Part of the human condition is to want to do that, to want to make an offering, plates full of rice and fruit and flowers on an altar, sidewalk memorials, whale bones, red berries, and money. And it's really easy to forget that those, those are just signs. Those are just tokens of what we really want to offer. What kind of offering does God want? Listen carefully, please. 
I appeal to you, I beg you, I implore you, please, knowing that God has been enormously merciful to you all your life and generous, to present yourself, to offer yourself your whole life as a living sacrifice. Amen.